Sir, the odds of successfully navigating an asteroid field are two to one! Never tell me the... Oh, actually, that's not bad. Yeah, no, let's, let's keep going. Jedi is power. It's an energy field created by all living things. It surrounds us, penetrates us, and binds the galaxy together. The Force. The Force. The Force. The Force. Hey everybody, welcome to The Force, of course, your bite-sized Star Wars podcast. I'm your host, Ted, and I'm watching Rogue One right now. Yeah, that's right. And I have to say... Aside from The Mandalorian, it's my opinion anyway that Rogue One is the best thing to come out of the Disney era of Star Wars, at least so far. I'm really hoping that this gritty war movie type storytelling is what we're going to get in the Andor series. Anyway, it felt like the perfect thing to have playing in the background while I put this episode together. Uh, this week's episode is going to be lots of fun. We're going to discuss uh, a theory posed by a listener. We have another What's Up With That Guy segment, and I'm going to break down my five favorite moments from Rogue One. That's why I'm watching it. And more. But first, let's head over to the Force of Course News of the Week. In toy news, even more figures have been announced from the Hasbro PulseCon event. In the 6-inch Black Series line, I can tell you I'm most excited about Panda Baba, or Walrus Man, Dr. Evazon, or the really ugly guy that hung out with Walrus Man, Omega from the Bad Batch, although I will say they changed her appearance to give her a more, uh, I guess, lifelike look, and I'm not sure I love it. There's also a Fennec Shand, who looks so badass. A new Princess Leia mold from the Yavin Award Ceremony. And finally, a Bib Fortuna. Now, this Bib Fortuna appears to be from the Return of the Jedi era, not the big fat Bib Fortuna from the Book of Boba Fett tease at the end of the Mandalorian Season 2 end credits scene. Whew, that was a lot of words. Speaking of the Book of Boba Fett, did you guys know a trailer was dropping this week? Seriously, did anyone know this? I thought it was dropping on the 12th with the Boba Fett special coming to Disney+. Plus. But no, it dropped on Monday, the 1st, out of nowhere. It took me so much by surprise that I thought it was a fan-made trailer at first. Now, I'm going to do a shot-by-shot breakdown, but but because some people may not want to know what to expect or, or don't want to hear anything about it, I'm going to handle the breakdown the same way I plan to handle all possible spoilers on The Force, of course. If you want to know what is shown in the trailer and get my reactions and speculation, just stick around at the end of the show and I'll share it all there. And that concludes this week's segment of the Force of Course News of the Week. Up next, I'd like to do a Rogue One-themed What's Up With That Guy and tell you all everything we know about Saul Gerrera. Saul Gerrera was a human male from the planet Onderon. During the Clone Wars, his planet was occupied by Separatist forces, and... His people were oppressed. Saul and his sister, with training from Obi-Wan and a young Anakin Skywalker, were able to overthrow the droid army on his planet. 
After the Clone Wars, when the Republic became the Empire, Saul led a band of resistance fighters called the Partisans. He operated under the codename Stoneface. Now, the Partisans were some of the founding members of the Rebel Alliance. Very early on, though, it was decided that Saul and his band of terroristic fighters employed methods too extreme for the Rebel Alliance. An example of such tactics was a raid in which Saul and his team raided a party meant to celebrate the naming of a new imperial governor, slaughtering imperials and civilians alike. Now, this lifestyle took its toll, and by the end of his life, Saul was more machine than man. Does that sound familiar? In Rogue One, Saul Guerrero is played by Forrest Whitaker, and this is where we see the character of Saul meet his fate on Jeddah as the Death Star's lasers tested on Jeddah City. Saul never got to see his dream realized, but had hoped that it would be carried on by Jyn Erso and her band of rebels. And that's what's up with that guy. Okay, let's go ahead and take our break, and when we come back, I'll discuss my top five favorite moments from Rogue One, a Star Wars story. Stick around. Kenner proudly presents Star Wars Electronic Battle Command, the computerized space battle game. Enemy scan on. I see you. Battle stations. Red alert. Star Wars Electronic Battle Command has computer scanners, force units, invisible shields. Fire! Three levels of play, basic, intermediate, and advanced. Ah, my TIE Fighter's hit. Hey, Dad, let's play the basic game. Always get carried away. Star Wars Electronic Battle Command from Kenner. Hey, welcome back. I hope you enjoyed the break. I know I did. Uh, finished Rogue One, and then after Rogue One ended, I stumbled upon a new little series on Disney Plus called Star Wars Galaxy of Sounds. Now, this is seven short episodes, and it's just all bits and pieces of sound design without the extra layer of the orchestration behind it, so you can hear all the little nuances. It's really cool. Um, it encompasses all 11 movies, and there's some stuff in there from The Mandalorian, so... If you get a chance, check it out for yourself. There's a lot of fun in there. Um, I'm sure you'll agree. Now, before I get into the actual meat and potatoes of the show, I want to dig into the mailbag, uh, as it were. And I got a message from an old friend named Danny. Danny wants to know what's up with the age difference between you and McGregor at the end of Revenge of the Sith and Sir Alec Guinness at the beginning of Episode 4, A New Hope. There is quite a bit of difference there. But the actual story timeline doesn't quite fit. He shouldn't have aged that much. I have a couple theories, and there are tons of theories flying around out there. My first theory is George didn't plan that far ahead. In 1976 or 75, when they started casting, he just needed a known actor to, to really flesh out this role of Obi-Wan Kenobi, the, uh, the sage wizard who's going to help our hero along on his journey. He didn't realize that, you know, however many years later, he'd be telling the prequel trilogy story and he would have to match things up exactly because the listeners can be sometimes twattish about the details. <clears throat> I said it. It's a thing. Now, um, now, Sir Alec Guinness was 62 when he filmed A New Hope. Not super old, but, you know, He's up there in years. I, I I feel like he looks older than 62 in A New Hope, honestly. That's just me. Sorry. Ewan McGregor, when he was filming Revenge of the Sith, uh, he was 34. Now, um, as he's filming or finished filming Obi-Wan Kenobi, he's 50. So he's getting closer. And with a little bit of makeup, I think by the end of that series, they could probably match them up pretty well. So, yeah, my first theory is George Lucas just wasn't thinking. 
No big deal. Now, if you want to go for a canon in-story theory, there are a few things out there. One of the things is that Obi-Wan Kenobi was using the Force to manipulate things around him to keep prying eyes away, to keep Vader or whoever it might be. We're going to see Inquisitors in the series. So just to keep them away, to hold them off at bay. Now, I don't know what that looks like, some sort of Force projection that's basically a sign that says, hey, don't even look over here. Luke's not here. Um, another theory says that maybe Luke gets injured as a child and Obi-Wan uses the force to heal him and it sucks away some of his uh, his mana, his life energy, what have you, and that kind of ages him. I don't know. We see Emperor, Emperor Palpatine kind of get aged the fuck up in uh, Revenge of the Sith when he starts shooting lightning up Mace Windu's ass. I don't know if it's the same situation. I've seen force users use their healing powers. And it didn't age them. Uh, Ray uses it to bring Ben Solo back in The Rise of Skywalker. Didn't age her. Kind of kind of took her out of the game for a second. Uh, ben Solo uses it again to save Ray. Didn't age him. Fucking killed him. Um, so, yeah, I don't know what that's all about. I don't know how much of that I want to buy into things. I just think Tatooine fucking sucks. It's hot. There are two suns. Everything's trying to kill you. And yeah, it takes some years off your life. That's my theory. Obi-Wan Kenobi's just getting his ass kicked out there on Tatooine. Okay, now let's jump into the main topic of today's show, and that is my top five favorite moments from Rogue One, a Star Wars story. Now, these are my personal favorite moments, so this list is subjective, and in other words, feel free to respectfully disagree. But hear me out. Hear me out. My top five moments. Here we go. Number five, K2SO. Alan Tudyk or Tudyk, I think it's Tudyk, is amazing in this role. And I can't believe we won't see him in the first season of Andor. That just, that feels criminal to me. I hope at the very least we see him maybe in the last episode and they show their origin story together, how they meet. Give us something. Give us something. He's just too good of a character not to have in that show. And honestly, his death hit me hardest of all in that movie. Like I didn't, you know, it didn't bother me when Chirrut and, and Blaze died. It didn't bother me when Bodhi died. It didn't bother me when uh, Saw Gerrera died or Jyn Erso or Andor. I, I didn't care. But when K2SO died, I was like, oh, I was really sad faced. Um, he's just got so many awesome lines. Like when Bodhi and Jyn Erso are talking about the plan to enter Scarif and Bodhi says... If it doesn't work, they'll all die in the dark vacuum of space. And K2SO, he skips a beat and then he goes, not me. I can survive in space. <laughs> That's just funny. He's got so many lines like that. Um, so, yeah, my my number five top moment uh, isn't really a singular moment. It's more of just a character. And that is K2SO. Number four. As Jen Urso is watching the transmission from her father in Saul Guerrero's camp. She's so taken aback. Like her, her relationship with her father really didn't exist. She had kind of written him off, so to speak. Um, thought of him as being dead, probably because that was easier. And listen, my own relationship with my father is rocky at best. So I get it. I totally get it. Um, but I also get this. When the Death Star fires on Jetta City and it interrupts the transmission and the transmission just kind of cuts out, 
Jen Erso collapses. She just crumbles and falls on the ground. And I couldn't feel that anymore in that moment. Like it just, it crushed me. It broke my heart. And that is my number four moment right there. Just the, every little bit of feeling you get in that moment. Like she's excited to see her father. She's happy. She's also kind of pissed off about what's going on. She's taking in all this information like, oh my God, there's this secret plan. And then it just ends and she's left with nothing again. She's right back to where she was. I totally get that. And honestly, Felicity Jones, she, she captivated that quite well. Favorite moment number three, the Death Star attacks. Now Tarkin needs to test the weapon. They understand that there's a problem on Jetta City. So they decide to test the Death Star on Jetta City. The destruction of the city and our heroes, their escape, the way it's all filmed, the way it's all created and put forth in front of us was absolutely breathtaking. And that was just a test. Like, think back to A New Hope when they fired on Alderaan. Okay, they fired the weapon and the planet just kind of exploded almost like a popping balloon. This gave you so much more detail as to just how powerful that weapon was. It just tore the city apart and created like this shock wave that was also like a tidal wave of dirt and crap for them to try to escape out of. It was fucking amazing and just beautifully done. I could watch that scene over and over. It's just amazing. Okay, let's go to favorite moment number two. The space battle above Scarif. This is this is the perfect example of what space battles should look like in Star Wars movies. Return of the Jedi got close. Um, the attack on the Death Star in the first movie, in A New Hope, I should say, it was really kind of static, kind of slow, kind of boring. Um, in Return of the Jedi, in Return of the Jedi, they really pumped it up. They they threw in like eight billion more Tie Fighters, made it faster. Um, but it it still was kind of disjointed. You couldn't really put it together. In this movie, in Rogue One, they did such a great job in painting this battle. Like you knew exactly who was where and what was happening. It was just incredible. The uh, the way they used old, unused footage from A New Hope and the call signs, bringing all that back in, it's just so well done. The way that uh, Red 5 kind of lost his shit and died, and now that's how Luke was able to get that call sign in A New Hope. Really cool, really cool stuff. Um, when they called in the Hammerhead Corvette to push the Star Destroyers together, oh my God, how creative was that? That was so cool. And then as the uh, Rebellion ships are trying to escape, as Darth Vader's Star Destroyer comes out of hyperspace and they just start running into it, somebody was really on their feet thinking with this one. They gave us so much new stuff, exciting stuff to work with. Whoever was responsible for that, thank you, and please do more, more, more. Now, the number one favorite moment from Rogue One for me it shouldn't be a surprise, guys. It really shouldn't be a surprise. It's Darth fucking Vader. I mean, from the first glimpse of him in the back to tank on Mustafar, how creepy was that? I really want more of that in the Obi-Wan Kenobi series. Um, to the moment when he's kind of reprimanding Director Krennic and he you know, kind of chokes him out without even looking like, eh, you know, take that, Krennic. What's he say? Don't uh, 
choke on your aspirations. That's funny. That's good stuff. And then we've got that hallway scene where he turns into like Jason Voorhees and he's just an unstoppable killing machine that they cannot get away from. Again, give us more of that Darth Vader. That's the Darth Vader that scared the shit out of me at the very beginning of New Hope. Like he came through the door and even then he wasn't he wasn't doing much. He didn't have his lightsaber out. He wasn't choking people or, or using the force to push them away. He just walked in the door after the stormtroopers had already killed everybody, basically. But he was scary and menacing, much like in this hallway scene. Holy shit. Oh, also, after he uh, kills everybody in that hallway and the Tantive Four launches, if you read the book from a certain point of view, the very first story in that is about how the Tantive Four wasn't ready for that flight. They were still heavily under repairs and they couldn't defend themselves. So naturally they knew they were doomed. It's really cool. It kind of sets up the, uh, or it kind of continues the hectic pace of Rogue One. Like Rogue One, at the end, everything's happening so fast. And you're like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. And then you could pretty much go right into A New Hope and everything basically screeches to a halt. And it's so slow. I mean, the difference between Rogue One and A New Hope, the pacing is so different. Almost frustrating, but, but you know, I'll forgive it because it's Star Wars and I love it. All right. That was a lot of fun. At least I thought so. If you agree, if you disagree, let me know. Chime in. Hit me up. Um, I'm always looking to interact with you guys in any way, shape, or form that I can. And hey, before I forget, I hope everyone had a fun, safe Halloween. I saw some cool Star Wars costumes out there this year. That's always awesome. Um, anyone that comes to my house in a Star Wars costume, they get a little extra candy. You know, that's just how that works. Um, all right, that's enough show for this week. Remember, if you want to hear all about the trailer to the Book of Boba Fett, make sure you stick around after the show for that spoilerific coverage. Um, thanks so much for tuning in. If you enjoy the show, do me a favor and tell a friend about it. Word of mouth is the best way for me to grow the audience. Remember, you can always interact with me on social media at The Force, of course, on Instagram and Facebook. You can email me directly at theforceofcourse77 at gmail.com. This has been The Force, of course, your bite-sized Star Wars podcast. I have been your host, Ted, and as always, play with your toys. Are you guys ready for some Book of Boba Fett talk? In just under two minutes, the folks at Lucasfilm have packed enough stuff in this trailer to keep us busy, guessing right up until December 29th. The trailer opens to a shot of a Bomar monk making its way across the desert sands of Tatooine just outside Jabba's palace. Now, a Bomar monk, it, it basically looks like a spider. And then the uh, head of the spider is actually this fishbowl with a brain in it. And those monks... Um, they became so enlightened that that was the only way that they could continue their enlightenment was to take their brain out and stick it in a spider. I, I don't write this stuff guys, but it is Canon. You, it was in return of the Jedi. You saw one in return of the Jedi. So of course, one's going to make a comeback that way they can make toys. Please make toys. All right.
Boba's voice comes to us through a, a voiceover saying, I'm not a bounty hunter. Well, so what happened there? He sure as hell used to be, but I think he's trying to change the way he's perceived. I guess maybe this is him stating the fact that he's no longer a gun for hire. We cut to uh, what looks like a pit droid handing Boba his iconic helmet and him putting it on. The background appears to be like a well-furnished estate of some sort. I'm thinking maybe Boba's new personal chambers in the upper levels of Jabba's palace, I guess. I don't know. And there appears to be some sort of bed. It looks <laughs> it looks kind of like a tanning bed with controls in the background. Maybe some kind of healing chamber. I have to I have to guess that that's what it is, is maybe some kind of healing chamber, because honestly, in some of these shots, he doesn't look nearly as scarred as he should. He doesn't look as scarred up as he did in uh, The Mandalorian. Now, maybe some of the shots we're getting are pre-Mandalorian, but he should still be all scarred up. I don't think any of the shots shown in this trailer are from before Return of the Jedi. Just my thought. Anyway, Another cut to Fennec Shand and Boba walking through the streets of a busy city. Now, it possibly could be Tatooine, but I doubt it. It looks too heavily populated, uh, and it's kind of really built up. Jump to Boba Fett and Fennec Shand approaching an Ithorian nobleman. Now, an Ithorian is like the Hammerhead. Um, if, you're, if you're used to the old uh, Kenner Star Wars figures, there was one named Hammerhead. Um, and this, this Ithorian nobleman says, I know that you sit on the throne of your former employer pretty cool. Uh, I mean, it's not a lie. He does. Cut to a scene of possibly that same city, like an aerial view. This could also be Ord Mantell. That might make sense. Ord Mantell. That's where the uh, Bad Batch kind of set up camp. And yeah, there are similarities there. So maybe it's Ord Mantell. I don't know. Uh, There's a shot of Boba's throne and Boba says, Jabba ruled with fear. Then there's a tense scene where Boba and Fennec have guns pulled on them. Everyone's kind of aiming their guns at everybody else. And back to the city streets, Boba takes his helmet off. Fennec at his side. The Boba voiceover says, I intend to rule with respect. I think we're going to get a lot of shots of Boba without his helmet on. We're going to see a whole lot of Tamara Morrison. And I'm totally fine with that. Another aerial approach shot of Jabba's palace cut to an interior scene at a massive table around which is seated a number of, um, let's see, there are Trandoshans, just like Bosk. There are Clatoonians, just like Barada, and Aqualish, just like Pandababa or Walrus Man. Fennec Shan says to the group, you were all once captains under Jabba the Hutt. So this is, uh, this is a group that used to... Um, maybe work for or support Jabba in some way, shape, or form. Boba says, I'm here to make a proposal that's mutually beneficial. Then we see Fennec and Boba standing on the terrace of that same upper level chamber. I hope they don't try to make this a love story. That would be creepy. A shot of four Tuscans walking in a sandstorm. Now this scene is Probably one of the shortest scenes from the trailer, but it might end up being one of the most important. And I'll get to that here in just a little bit. Hold on to that thought. Um, But it goes from there to Boba Fett saying in voiceover, why speak of conflict when cooperation can make us all rich? As we cut to a scene featuring two Twilight girls, one of which is played by uh, the lovely Jennifer Beals. That's awesome. Haven't seen her in a while. Then there's a shot of the slave one flying low over the sands of Tatooine at dusk. Very cool. Love to see it. Back to that table full of aliens. And one of the aliens says, what prevents us all from killing you and taking what we want? 
Who in the fuck would say that to Boba Fett? My God. Um, Boba and Fennec, <laughs> Boba and Fennec Chan basically exchanged glances at that minute, which I thought was pretty hilarious. They just know. Uh, we cut back to the busy city street and Boba's helmet falls on the ground with coins spilling out of it. Now that's an interesting visual. I don't know what that's all about. Boba and Fennec are surrounded by men in red uniforms with energy shields and stun batons. Um, I think we're led to believe, oh my God, they're, they're in some shit now, but, um, a fight obviously breaks out and we see Boba in berserker mode. Like his eyes are bugging out of his head. He's clearly having a great time kicking some ass here. Cut back to Jabba's palace. Boba is on his throne with Fennec at his side. And she says, if you'd spoken such insolence to Jabba, he'd have fed you to his menagerie. Ooh, that sounds cool. I like that. Um, but I don't think this... I don't think the same scene with the aliens at the table uh, are related to this. I think it's cut so that it's meant for us to think that, but I don't think that's what's actually happened. Anyway, Boba says, please speak freely as he leans back in his chair. And that's the end of the trailer. Exciting shit. So I have, uh, I have two kind of big thoughts here. My first thought, I want to take you right back to that very short scene with the Tusken Raiders walking in the sandstorm. Now, why do I think that's important? If you think back to Return of the Jedi, there's a cut scene after they escape Jabba's sail barge, where we see Lando, Chewie, Han, Leia, the droids, Luke, all going to their separate ships, and there's a sandstorm taking place. Now, this got me thinking, what if the same sandstorm is the point where Boba Fett escapes the Sarlacc and these, he like, he crawls out of the Sarlacc's mouth or, you know, it gets out, however he gets out, maybe his, his jetpack shoots him out or whatever. And he's covered in like stomach bile and it's kind of, I don't know, disgustingly eating away at his face or whatever. And he turns over to look and he sees these Tusken Raiders coming towards him. What if this is like the scene we've all been waiting for to see how he escapes the Sarlacc? I don't know. Could be, I, I may be just, you know, reaching wildly here. The other thing I want to talk about is I feel like we aren't getting much out of this trailer. If you put it all together and try to piece it together in, um, in some kind of order, I think we're maybe seeing three or four scenes here. I really do think every bit of this pretty much takes place in the first couple of episodes. And then you've got a what, six more episodes where we have no clue what's coming to us? They've done this before. With The Mandalorian, when that first came out, you saw a whole lot, but that whole lot actually only took place in the first two or three episodes. So I think there's still a lot of shit out there that we're not seeing, we're not being told, and guess what? I'm fine with it. I'm so happy with this trailer, and guess what? Um, on November 12th, we're going to get that Boba Fett special, and I guarantee we see more there. Okay, that's the spoilerific stuff about the Book of Boba Fett trailer. Hope you enjoyed it. If you have thoughts on that, also reach out to me. I'm not going to tell you to play with your toys again. You should be fucking doing that on your own. Okay, good night.